I think the biggest challenge in my venue, because it's not a restaurant with allocated seats in that way, is you know, we show people to a table, but then they really feel like wandering around and nobody kind of quite understands you know, that we're supposed to be the policemen of stay, stay sitting on your bottoms, please. This week on Dirty Linen, we are talking about restaurants, reopening, and I guess all the different ways that customers are approaching restaurants after a very interesting few months when we weren't allowed to go to them. Uh, there's so much going on for people in hospitality and today I thought it would be great to chat to Karen Golding from Red Hill Brewery uh, on the Mornington Peninsula about an hour from Melbourne uh, because yeah Karen's had such an interesting journey through the pandemic and of course that journey continues so welcome Karen to Dirty Linen it's lovely to have the opportunity to talk to you. Hi Danny thank you so much for having me on I've listened to your podcast heaps of times. I particularly love the one with your dad. <laughs> you know what? I was out this morning running with my dog and somebody stopped me on the street to say that she was listening to the one with my dad. So um, it was uh, it was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, it was great. And it, it, my dad is uh, is uh, a really a really good guy and has has made such an impact in his world which is you know as a psychiatrist and as a holocaust survivor and you know he's meant a lot to so many people over the years uh so yeah it's really it's a real real pleasure for me to introduce him to to my audience and for us to continue our father-daughter relationship in a little bit of a different way so thank you for saying that um no that's it was such an interesting view on the fact that we're all sort of going through this global trauma, but it's not over yet. It's not like you described it as a fire, that after the event you start to go through the process of, you know, rebuilding and anger and all the different stages that you go through. Um, you know, it, you can't go through it until it's over. Yeah, at the moment what Dad's talking about is this um, phenomenon called post-disaster euphoria and... You know, when Melbourne hit 50, hit 30 days without any cases, there was this real feeling of um, a real uplift and, and yeah, almost a euphoria, like a, a real feeling of achievement. And as Dad explained to me, that is a known stage in the passage of a disaster when and it's it's part of the recovery phase, but it can also be a time when a lot of traumas emerge and you have that space and time perhaps to whether it's reflecting or whether things just aren't pushed back or pushed down anymore and you know a whole lot of feelings can arise and I feel like that's happening for us I feel that happening in myself you know like it's a it's that uh veering between a kind of real happiness and pride and elation and just a real feeling of like Oh my goodness! It's uh, I've had the wind knocked out of my sails. <laughs> so, um, yeah, how are you feeling? Well, the, yeah, the, the same. I mean, I was I was at a doctor's appointment or something when I was listening to Dan Andrews at three o'clock on that Monday, or something. And you know, we'd gone from absolute depression on the Sunday when he'd said, "No, we're not opening yet," to Monday, you know, everyone can open. It's all all clear. And myself and the and the other people in the medical clinic, we, we were all sitting there bawling our eyes out <laughs> and laughing and people, and they were crying and I started crying. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> 
and then you sort of then you're back into that um heightened kind of uh you know where you're scrambling to you know figure out well what are the new laws and what are this and now what do I do and do I open on you know am I going to open on Thursday or I got staff on and you know so then you're in in that kind of full-on um hyper hyper kind of state again trying to you know make it all happen so I think there's been a lot of that where we're kind of you know in this really hyper state trying to work it all out every single time. I think we're so used to having control of over most aspects of our lives and we've had so much of the control taken away from us this year that it has been yeah really just really like removed a lot of the underpinnings of the way that we live our lives and the way that we plan and especially as a business owner you would have felt that very acutely I'm sure. Oh very much you had to really give in to that process and say well I can't really plan <laughs> and the number of times you're dealing with banks or authorities who want to know a you know 12-month projection of something and you just sort of have to say well, to be honest you'll have to ask Mr Andrews that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Karen tell me about the brewery tell me where you're at this week um, what's what kinds of things are on your mind? Um, well we're excited after um obviously the pandemic but even the last eight years we haven't run our own kitchen so as of uh, this weekend we will be back to running our own kitchen so right now I'm sitting at the um, hospitality shop purchasing all the last items that I need to be able to serve food again <laughs> so that's been a massive evolution and I think you know when you look back at all the things that we've accomplished over the over the sort of lockdown periods, I think we've done more for our business than we probably would have done in a decade. <laughs> you know, we've, we've done an internal full renovation that we wanted to do, but you never have time to kind of close down for that long or, you know, things like that. So we've sort of refurbished and renovated and done every single bit of the venue inside. And we were all about to relaunch with food and everything in June or July. And then obviously the next shutdown. So then we ripped up the whole deck and re relayed and um, renovated all the outdoor areas because then there was the, you know, all the alfresco dining type of ideas. So we got an extended red line and um, uh, did a big renovation on the garden that links through to the deck so we've had a landscaper in making that beautiful so now we've got you know a magnificent deck a beautiful beer garden and and a beautiful you know renovated bar that I've had a someone help me with the design and it all looks so cool and I would never ever ever have done any of that without a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> wow that's amazing. Did it take you uh, a lot of time to sort of regroup and and make those really big positive changes to the business or you know did you did you spring instantly into action or did you sort of have to you know gather yourself and think okay fine we've got to we've got to do something we're going to do this um I I think my overall feeling it's hard because everything's so you know you, you think you've got say six weeks to do it right you're in a lockdown for six weeks so you think you've got only a small amount of time to do it and then it dragged on so you kind of kept going finishing it off and yeah so I think um sprang into action with a lot of urgency to get things done so that you would be ready for reopening with a you know fresh positive kind of um outcome 
and then it just dragged on and on so we kind of just kept going so I think we have been busier in over this time than I ever have been in my life but not with customers obviously but you know with huge amounts of um, work that we've been doing every single day in terms of you know tradespeople and you know painting and you know all our staff have helped massively with the outdoor gardening landscaping re refurbishing you know decks and all sorts of stuff so yeah so it's just running like crazy the whole time <laughs> one one thing that really struck me and actually I was in Red Hill not far from you just had a little bit of a school holiday getaway for a few days in fact, I was literally down the road from you. Like I reckon I was about six properties along on Shoreham Road when the um, second lockdown was announced and I was there just it was school holidays. I was there with the kids, just, you know, a, a getaway. And I was so grateful that we'd, we'd made the decision to do that because then we were just at home for the next few months. But um, one thing that was really striking about that shutdown was the way that the Mornington Peninsula was counted as part of Metro Melbourne. And I know that a lot of Melburnians do feel that, you know, the peninsula is their backyard and it is so accessible for people in Melbourne, but it is also the country. Um, how did you feel about being included as part of Metro Melbourne as in, in terms of the restrictions and the lockdown? I was furious. <laughs> it's probably the thing I've been the maddest about of anything. Um, yeah, so I had to try to get over that and live with it and but I did you know do a lot of um there was a lot of actions being taken by various you know tourism or um you know business groups about trying to change that and it's actually been something that the um a group of uh, you know the committee for the Mornington Peninsula which is a large group of businesses have been lobbying the government for for two or three years to try to exclude us as part of metro so that we get some of the benefits that regions get in terms of um, you know, things like the seasonal workers, um, payroll tax, because people in our region pay payroll tax, but say in Ballerine region they don't, in Geelong they don't. So lots of um, really great business and uh, social, like school and travel. You know, kids who live down the peninsula can't really get to Melbourne to go to uni, but they also don't get the away-from-home allowance. So there's a really big... Um, push by local businesses to try to make our region you know competitive for business and education and jobs uh, and I've been part of that for years so then to find that and yet another disadvantage of it is is um, you know that we're included in that lockdown was you know just seemed to be like another fantastic reason why we should be separated. Mm. Are, are there any positives to being part of Metro Melbourne? Obviously not during lockdown, but in general, like I'm just trying to think like what would the reason be and is there anything that you do get from being defined in that way? No, well, they talk about it's to do with things like public transport and roads and things like that, but we don't get any of that, you know, so that we don't we don't get Melbourne standard transport or anything from the state government in, in that way. You would definitely not want to be relying on public transport to get around the Mornington Peninsula. You cannot. <laughs> like that would not be a way of doing your day. Um, yeah. Okay, so Karen, this week on Dirty Linen, you know, one of our focuses is talking about the way that customers are re-entering the world of hospitality and, and dealing 
with or, you know, whether how they're managing uh, the, the rules um, that, you know, we all need to abide by. So can you talk about how you've welcomed people back to Red Hill Brewery and the kinds of scenarios that you've encountered? Yeah, sure. I guess um, in our venue, because we're, you know, it's much more casual, um, you know, than a, than a normal, you know, say full restaurant environment, we offer a order at the bar and then we do table service from where they choose to sit without bookings and things like that. So, um, you know, the, the check-in is tricky because a lot of people don't have phone service. Um, that's another thing that we don't get a lot of on the Mornington Peninsula. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of the, the rural kind of vineyards and people that are outside the, you know, villages don't actually have hardly any phone service. So the QR check-in is quite tricky. So we um, have a roving iPad that we, you know, will fill it in for people that's connected to the internet. Um, so there's a few little logistics like that. Um, so we're trying to do the right thing and do the QR codes and not do pens and paper, but um, not everyone can. So that's a bit of a confusion for people. You know, people get a bit frustrated by that because they try to do the check-in and like, the bloody thing doesn't work. <laughs> um, but there's not much we can do about that, but we do offer to do it for them. Uh, and then, yeah, look, it's great to have people back. I mean, gosh, people sitting down drinking pints I think the first time I sat down again a few more tears you know it's like oh my god we're open <laughs> um, you know so that you know that was just that euphoria thing that you you spoke about I think and everybody's you know super happy about you know being out uh, you know seeing friends having beers that's um, all going really well I think the biggest challenge in my venue because it's not a restaurant with allocated seats in that way is, you know, we show people to a table, but then they really feel like wandering around and nobody kind of quite understands, you know, that we're supposed to be the policemen of stay, stay sitting on your bottoms, please. <laughs> it must be really tricky. So is that, how do you manage that? Is that a, a sort of a conversation that you have or is it something that you have to continually monitor? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, yeah, people sort of don't, I don't, I don't think people, Customers are quite aware of it as a rule. Like some people, A, don't know or B, think it excludes children or, you know, that sort of thing. So, you know, you either have to be very strict about it or police it or, you know, we certainly tell people on arrival, you know, here's your table, please stay seated at your table. We will bring all your um, food and drinks to you. Um, have a nice time. Um, but once somebody stands up and starts to walk out, to other parts because their kids want to run around or something like that you know then it's it's tricky do you want to offend them by asking them all to sit down again because they will be or do you just let them have a little stroll around and stretch their legs it's really tricky so what do you do or do you have to just play it by ear I think I think common sense would say that if a, a mum is walking a toddler over to you know, look at the flowers on the trees or something, you know, how's that harming anybody? But then if you multiply that on a busy day by 50 people all mingling around, <laughs> you know, is that okay? So, yeah, then you become police people. Most people have been pretty good, but I think as we move towards summer and there's more groups wanting to get together, there'll be more, you know, movement inside the venue and more people who want to take a stroll out 
because our place is unique in that we've got you know all this beautiful outdoor area and almost everybody who comes to visit wants to kind of go and have a look at the garden and the and the you know scenery it's it's not like you're just all sitting inside a restaurant what's your understanding of the rule with that like once they're given a table yeah I mean they have to stay there but if someone wanted to come in and wander around and you've got you've got like hops growing haven't you um it's ages since I've been there but yeah, there's sort of big plantings yeah, yeah, we've got the, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we've got those everywhere. Um, yeah, people can, you know, that's just in the car park. So people can, you know, see that and see that when they're getting in and out of their car. So they're technically not, I guess, in the venue at that point. Um, but there is kind of this beautiful beer garden and everyone wants to take a wander out there and, you know, see the pretty pony in the backyard. And <laughs> I want to see the pretty pony in the backyard. Um, yeah, so that must be really tricky. And I'm sure after people have had a couple of beers that, um, they're, they're, uh, probably a little, a little harder to corral, um, than perhaps, yeah, earlier. Yeah, it's, it's really hard and you don't necessarily want to either because it's, everybody would want to do that, you know? So then you do feel like, do you have to be a police person? So we try to explain it up front and you know, don't mind too much if, you know, one person wanders over to, you know, look through the, look around the garden. But, you know, most people are pretty good. But it's definitely a challenge. The movement around the venue is probably our biggest challenge. Yeah. And I think, um, as you say, you know, as summer rolls on and as people see someone that they know at the next table or just over there, there's it's going to be really hard to keep people um to keep people seated but I think it's also I feel like if I was in a scenario like that and I saw a whole bunch of people standing around mingling and then that's where I would start as a as a fellow diner that's where I would start to get nervous I mean I was at a um I was at a a a lunch last week and there were um yeah, there was time when people were arriving and and talking and mingling and gathering and we weren't, we hadn't yet been seated and we were outdoors and I'm basically obsessed with the rules and I was sort of running, <laughs> running through them in my mind and thinking, I think this is okay. I don't think we're breaking any rules, but I know that I'm feeling nervous about this and I feel like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to leave my mask on and I don't know, it's it's so hard. I feel like we've worked so hard to to get to this point. I feel very protective of it. Uh, and nobody finds or to, you know, get challenged about it. You know, we want to, everyone wants to do the right thing, but I, I guess um, – as venue owners trying to do the right thing 100% of the time, you know, you, you have to have this type of, you know, policing or vigilance and hypervigilance of all of those rules all the time, whereas patrons can be quite um, relaxed about about those rules. Uh, you know, state government has sort of set up her dance saying, you know, the onus is on everybody. You know, customers have got to do the right thing. It's an equal shared responsibility. Um, but I can tell you after a few drinks, not everybody cares about their part of the responsibility of that of that end of it. And, I mean, understandably customers are less focused on, you know, what the particular guidelines are and as we, as we well know, they change frequently. So, I mean, obviously the restaurant is going to be more across the particular rules for hospitality than 
a diner is who you know perhaps they don't know the, they don't quite know all the rules for a shop and it's up to the the retailer to um you know explain to them those rules and i guess it is up to the hospitality owner to some degree to explain to them but i suppose the, the onus on all of us i suppose is to listen to whichever particular business owner it is and to abide by those rules without um getting yeah. head up about it and even i think we have one other um experience that was a bit tricky where you know someone had rung up to say oh have you got room for four yeah sure come on down guys you're not doing bookings we've got a few tables spare um and then we had a number of groups of four rolled in at about the same time and the one who'd rung up actually had a double pram with two toddlers in it they said well we don't have room for six it's only a table for four well they don't count well sorry but they do and i i don't have room like the pram is a meter wide so to have the pram you'd be putting it in between other tables and you know things get really tricky i said well we'll have to wait till we've got a more spacious table there's one changing over inside give us a few minutes and i went out to change the table and all of a sudden the woman's given our bar manager a massive serve and left and she was furious at us uh, <laughs> oh that's terrible and um you know, so look, that that's an isolated incident. But normally we would just, you know, squeeze them in the corner and say, yeah, there you go. You know, just pop the pram in the corner. But, you know, it's, there just wasn't room to be able to accommodate the six and the pram and the distance of the tables. Sure, I get it. <laughs> it's like squeezing people in is not really a thing right now. But, yeah, that's really un unfortunate that... Um yeah, that that person didn't think that the kids would count. I mean, infants under 12 months, you don't have to count. But, yeah, anyone over than that, they're a number, so they've got to be counted. Yeah, and the pram as well. Sure, yeah. Is, like, is that a, a breach of social distancing if there's a pram less than a metre from another chair? <laughs> you know, it's crazy, Danny. It's just crazy. You start, your mind starts to just spin with those logistics and if a policeman came, would I be in trouble for having the pram up against another table or oh anyway mind explodes best to just yeah not think about it well I mean but you have to think about it don't you because you do have you've got that duty of care and of course you don't want to be um yeah you don't want to be up for a fine I imagine you know you mentioned that the lady gave your bar manager a serve I mean as an employer you what how do you how responsible do you feel for um for what your staff are exposed to in that way Oh, well, I would we, – we haven't had that issue. It was just this one incident and, you know, he is very across the rules and, you know, we were preparing them another table so if they want to be, you know, so rude to him, I, I don't know. Yeah, definitely full support and, you know, yeah, I was sorry that he did that but he, he's, he's a strong guy. He wasn't particularly offended but, you know. Yeah, it's just a bit of a head-shaking thing and, and, you know, they're definitely empowered to do the right thing and we were deciding all that together at the time as well. So, yeah, it was just that she, when I walked away, she um, had a go at him when I wasn't there, um, but otherwise we would have said, sorry, couldn't help you this time. Yeah. Because one thing that, that I do feel concerned about is that people are so desperate for staff um, that – you know, naturally there's going to be some inexperienced staff that are working the floor in venues and, you know, 
they'll have a lot to get their heads around. You know, perhaps they haven't had much hospitality experience. They need to think about all all the normal things that they need to think about in an, in a new job, and perhaps you know, getting getting skilled up in a new area. But then to have all the COVID safe rules on top of that, I think it's a lot for people to deal with, especially dealing with the high emotion of some customers. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what's surprised me as well and even my manager like even coming back into service was there's so many things that seem to have just slipped our minds about you know the process and the procedures and things not not huge but like just yeah someone wore a brightly colored item to work one day which isn't uniform and so what that's not what we wear to work and he was like oh what do we wear I don't remember (laughs) it's like black dude (laughs) So, you know, lots of little things about what we do in our day-to-day service have had to be refreshed. Yeah, that's so interesting. I definitely feel like I'm still learning how to put clothes on to leave the house. So, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Me too. I know what you mean. Mm. Yeah. It's, tell, me, uh, tell me some of the things that have, have got you through this period, Karen. Like um, is, there, is the, the nature down on the peninsula something that's got you through? Is it, is it the family? What kinds of things have, have you really turned to to, um, to give you strength during this period? Um, 100%, you know, the nature and feeling lucky to be based where we are. I think, um, yeah, I would be someone who would be absolutely, probably severely uh, upset by being, you know, corralled in a, in a city suburb. I, yeah, that, it was only because of the spaciousness and, and even just sort of reconnecting a bit to the business and the property because we've all of a sudden done this, you know, every every weekend I was out on the mower and the stick rake and the, you know, burning heaps and pruning trees and, you know, we've just done the most massive improvement to the property, you know, on top of just the venue itself. And I don't know, that's just something that kept me busy every single day. So I think just you know, that has kept me sane. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Horses as well. So we've sort of got into horses a little bit lately. It's been a lifelong um, interest of mine, but my daughter's recently started riding. So, you know, and then she's got a couple of friends who were riding and it was sort of one thing that you were allowed to do in lockdown when everything else around you has closed and you're not allowed to travel to see friends, you're allowed to travel to see a horse, you know, that, so we were able to say catch up with a friend and go for a ride and things like that. Yeah, that's so good. I would have loved to be able to have a little clip clop along a forested path. That would have been fantastic. Yeah. And so the girls riding together and, you know, being able to spend heaps of time on that was, you know, quite luxurious really. And you know, not not racing around, like the fact that all the school activities and my daughter had lost her job because she worked in a restaurant, so she lost her job. So, you know, we weren't running anyone around anywhere, and that was really awesome too. We had actually quite a lot of family time. I think the kids quite enjoyed the um, school from home. You know, they, they, you know, liked the later starts and, you know, yeah, they just found it quite peaceful, I think. They didn't really want to go back in the end. They got used to it. Are you able to hang on to any of those things that you enjoyed about lockdown as life gives back up? I think so. You know, I definitely think about all the time trying to not do quite as much and maybe not engage in as many, you know, social or um, 
sport or activities and things like that. So trying to keep the pace with that stuff a bit more. But it, it just has a way of, uh, you know, overwhelming you in a bit. You know, my daughter's back at work and she's working heaps of shifts now. She's on top of, you know, uh, end of year, she's working about 30 hours a week because she's now an experienced uh, waiter at the restaurant that she works at. And they're really short-staffed and are busy training new people and they just want her to work all the time. Like she's a school. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, twos and fros to get to and from uh, school. And now that, you know, my other daughter's riding, so we've got to get the pony to a lesson. And so lot, lots more running around now already. Yeah. And not, not yeah. me. And the roads are busy again, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, we had our first dinner out last week, which was nice. So that was, um, yeah, I've only been out to a restaurant once so far. How did you feel? Oh, fine. I think, yeah, it was it was nice. It was definitely a bit weird. <laughs> um, yeah, just um, in terms of going out, what does it feel like? It's It feels like now what it felt like. We, we like you, took a one-week school holiday break and we drove to Sydney and almost every venue we went into because they were just coming out of lockdown with distancing and check-ins and everything up there. But I found almost every venue had sort of, you know, they, they would bring us the meals but have forgot the cutlery because there was nothing on the tables. <laughs> so people, they'd forget to bring menus, they'd forget to bring drink menus, they'd forget to bring the cutlery and the napkins and we'd be sitting there with our food and nothing else on the table. And because they had to do table service, they kind of weren't that used to that either. So you're always having to wave for someone to come and, you know, visit you. Obviously, we were in venues like pubs and stuff, not not fine dining restaurants. We were more of a, with the kids and the beer interest, you know, visiting good pubs with good beer. And, yeah, I think they're more used to a order at the counter type thing. So you go up and order and pay and just take your beer to your tables. Sure. So, so much to think about. Yeah. And I sort of feel like it's, it's you know, some places – you know, are a bit like that when they reopen, that their normal style of service is um, not the normal anymore. So, you know, yeah, things like that get forgotten because you can't – they're used to setting the table, but now they don't, so they have to remember to bring the cutlery out with the meals. Yeah, so much to get our heads around. Um, Karen, let's talk a little bit about beer. Um, what beer are you excited about this summer? <sighs> well, we've just – just this week put into packages a new Christmas beer which is a um, in a can and it's called Christmas Haze so it's a spiced white IPA so that one is a and it's hazy so that's a you know it's got sort of Christmas spices in it like cinnamon and um, star anise and those sorts of things so that's a really nice beer um, we, we make a Christmas ale every year which is really popular but it's so boozy it's so strong so this is more of a uh, a one that maybe you could enjoy the festivities without, you know, passing out on the couch immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Great. It's a bit only six percent, so it's it's just a really refreshing beer with lots of beautiful flavours. Oh, I love the sound of that. Well, it's not going to be too too long before I come and visit you because it is just definitely one of my favourite places in the world, Red Hill and the Mornington Peninsula as a whole. So I really wish you the very best of luck getting your um, your own kitchen happening and welcoming diners who just love staying in their seats over a busy summer. 
um, let's hope that, yeah, the zero days keep rolling and we can have a very yeah positive and happy COVID safe summer. Thanks so much, Karen. Really so lovely to chat to you. Well, thank you, Danny. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production.